0: Let's pray. Oh, God, it's coming out of our very souls, this music, this morning. So many gifts and people exercising those gifts in your presence and in ours, and we thank you for all of them. So what do we sign up for? What would you like? These few moments left. May we hear Jesus speaking and know what we must do. We pray in his name. Amen. Everybody knows and loves the the story about Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. But we have totally forgotten the very next story that comes on the heels of that childhood song that we love to sing. I can understand why we would forget it. Oh, it has a very uncomfortable uh, bottom line. But you know what? It might be time for us to face some music right now. So open your Bible with me to uh, Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus is in the first ten verses. We're going to verse 11. Everybody knows the Zacchaeus story. Drop down to verse 11, because what's just happened... What's just happened is Jesus has stood up in the house of this conniving cheat of a social pariah, tax collector, and Jesus has pronounced over sinner Zacchaeus and his whole family, you're all forgiven, you are all saved. Salvation has come to this family. Hallelujah. We love that story, rightfully. It's the next one we've forgotten. Okay? So let's go to it. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Let's put it on the screen here. NIV, while they were listening to this... Okay, so Jesus has just pronounced the blessing. He's still standing in Zacchaeus' living room. While they were listening to this, he, Jesus, went on to tell them a parable. Ooh, we don't know this one. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once, Jesus has to correct some faulty eschatology, some faulty end game thinking. And I have a feeling if he showed up today, he'd have to do the same all over again. So, what's going on here? He's going to tell this story. Now, let's see if we get it. He said to the houseful in Zacchaeus' home, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. Oh, you see, everybody thinks he's going to be king now. Oh, he's going to be a king, but the crown he'll wear will be of thorns. Nobody understands that. He has to go away for a long time and then come back. Then, once he's appointed king, he will return." Keep reading. So, Jesus, so the man, the nobleman, called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. And the instructions are clear. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. The reason we forget this story so easily is because we confuse it with the story we know and all love. Everybody knows the parable of the talents. You know that one? The master calls three servants in. He says, I give five bags of gold to you. That's a talent. I give five bags of gold to you. I I'll give, I'll give two to you, and I give one to you. Adios. I'll be back. We know that story. This is very different. Have you noticed it's already different because we got ten servants in this story, and guess what? They're not given varying amounts of money at all. Each one gets one mina. So, how much is a mina? Well, a mina is what you would earn with um, you know average, average wages in th- in uh, three months. So, so let's just think about our life here. So, we work forty hours a week. Let's just say ten dollars an hour. That's eh, a little low, but the ten dollars an hour. How much would that be? That'd be four hundred dollars. How many weeks in uh, three months? That would be twelve weeks. So, twelve times uh, four hundred would be what? $4,800. Hey, listen, if somebody came to me and said, I'm going to give you fourth... Count it out. 4800 Would you take it? I would. I would absolutely take it. That's what he gave. All ten of them get the same amount of money. One mina, $4,800 each. With this simple instruction, I want you to put this money to work. He said, until I come back. The old King James uh, renders this, occupy till I come. The New American Standard Bible says, "...do business with this money until I come back." And the DKN translation goes like this, "...make this money grow." And then he's gone. Okay. Let's go. "...oh, but his subjects hated him," the nobleman, "...and sent a delegation after him to say, yo, we don't want this man to be our king." Jesus throws that line in there because he knows what's going to happen to him. They'll hate him. He'll have to go far away to become a king, but he will come back. But now, back to the story. Here we go. He, the nobleman, was made a king, however, and returned home. Not right away. We don't know how long, but eventually comes home. When he comes home, then he sent for the servants. How many servants? Ten of them. He sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. So the first one came forward and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more minas. And you believe that? That's great. Keep reading. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Whoa. Do you know how much of a profit that was? Come on, business people sitting right here. How much of a profit was that? 1,000% profit. Would you be happy with that kind of an investment? Please. 1,000%. But did you notice what the, what the servant says? Master, the amina the, 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 is I give it back to you, plus all the profit I give, I give back to you. It's clear. It all belongs to the, to the nobleman. And the nobleman smiles. My friend, you have done so well. I'm going to make you the administrator of ten of my cities in this kingdom. Wow. All right, next. So, then the next steps forward, the second service. There are ten of them, but we'll only get three of them. The second came and said, Sir, your mina... It's clear who it belongs to. Your mina has earned five more. Who?" And, and his master answered, You take charge of five cities. Now hit the pause button right there. It's possible all ten servants are standing in that room, and so let's not make a big deal about, well, he doesn't say, well done this time. They all know. They're gonna, Jesus is not gonna keep repeating the adulation, congratulation. But what is immediately clear, come on, what is immediately clear and confirmed is that this one minor entrustment has not only been equally distributed among the servants, they all got one, but it is now clear, hold on, that they have not all had the same outcome or the same reward. Hmm. Whereas the first first servant invests his entrusted $4,800 and he gains a profit to it so that he gains a profit of $48,000, the second servant comes along, and I don't know where he did the investments, but, but he, he, he only has 500% increase, and so it's 24,000. Ten cities for you, five cities for you. Whoo! You know what? We better get this. Though all have been entrusted the same amount... Not all have enjoyed the same success and, consequently, not all received the same reward. And this is gonna start making us not feel so good now because we have egalitarian minds, and this is an egalitarian culture that says everybody's equal and everybody gets the same opportunities and the same rights. Isn't that that what we believe? Yeah, yeah. It's egalitarian. So we're not comfortable already with this, but keep listening. Because our culture values this Even-Steven concept, we got to we got to point out, this story does show equal rights and equal opportunities. Yeah, everybody got the same amount, and they have the same opportunity, but clearly, the, the results and the rewards are not equal. How come, How does this work? So, I'm going to talk to a businessman for a moment, and I'm going to ask him, yo, so if you had money to invest, and you put some money in here, and it got this rate of return, and you put some money over here, and it has this, so this one was 10% return, but you got 50% return, which one would you go on investing in? That's a no-brainer. If you're a businessman, I'm not putting my money where it's, where it's not going to grow. I'm going to put my money where it multiplies. True or false? Of course. <laughs> yeah. And if it's not making anything, what am I going to do? Pull it out. <laughs> Get it out of there. And if you're watching the stock market, don't even think about the stock market on Sabbath. But you know that it's been bad. Right? Yeah. That's, a, that's just business brains. Any businessman or businesswoman worth her salt is going to put her money where the return is bigger. Why wouldn't God do the same? If everybody gets the same opportunity and everybody gets the same amount, but somebody's really doing well on it, if I'm the businessman named God, I'm going to say, hey, listen, just don't keep sending money to her. Don't keep sending money to him. Send it over here. This guy is doing something. Would that be wrong for God to think that way? Well, I think not. He wants return. That's what the kingdom of heaven's all about, return. Bring me more into this kingdom. And he's talking about people, not money. Ah. What if you got nothing? What if you got nothing? Well, let's find out. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina." I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Now, in English, we have no idea what that piece of cloth is, but in the Greek, that's sudarion, from the root word sudor, which means sweat. It's a sweatband. It's what you wear, put around your head when you're working hard and you're sweating, or you put it around your neck and you're wiping your face all the time. It can also be a handkerchief into that handkerchief, and it can also be a face cloth for a corpse. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not a compliment to tell the owner of your mine. I've been keeping it in this rag. Something's going on here. This guy's got an attitude. Man, he is full of attitude. <laughs> you don't believe it? Watch. He keeps going. I was afraid of you, sir, because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. I'm telling you what. This guy is not only impolite and and classless. He is downright rude. I mean, sassy talk. Why are you doing that? Ah, here's how here's how John Buchima puts it. The servant had simply held onto the coin. He also referred to the money as your mina, but there was no hint of humility in this. It was an accusation. In effect, the servant said, I squirreled it away so you could have your precious little coin back. You should be thankful that I was so cautious. Give me a break. And and by the way, does the master react? Are you kidding? Now, wait, before, before the master reacts... What has the master just witnessed? He watched one servant come in, and what kind of profit did that first servant bring? What kind of profit was it? 1,000% plus the initial investment. Good for you, buddy. Next servant comes in. What kind of a profit does he bring? 500%. 500%? Good for you, buddy. The next servant comes in. What kind of a profit does he bring? Goosey. zero, nada, nothing. Now, I want to tell you something. That man is either lazy or selfish or both. I mean, all he had to do was walk across the street. There's the honor credit union right across the street here. You could have put my money in the honor credit union, and I would have gotten a half a percent interest. Is that what they're gaining now? Was it about a half a percent? Less? (laughs) Oh, less. (laughs) He could have at least done that. He's lazy. No, he has it out. He has it out for the master. I'm not gonna do a favor for him. as John. Bukema bluntly observes, this servant attempted nothing, risked nothing, and gained nothing. Because you get out of life what you put into it, and if you put nothing into life, guess, guess what you get out of life? Zero. Wow. Oh, let's let the master speak for himself. You can feel the heat in this. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Then why didn't you put my money on deposits so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And then he said to those standing by... Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas." And as they say, wait, whoa, 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 time out, Master, time out. He, al- he already has ten. And the Master replies, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but as-, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. How can you take away nothing when the nothing is there anyway? You still have nothing. That's a clever line from the Master, by the way. Very clever. Zero. I love the way Eugene Peterson, in his uh, translation, The Message, renders this one line, verse 26. In fact, I've had this line taped on the wall where I have worship every morning, looked at it this morning, since Net 98. Here's the line. From Eugene Peterson, The Message, Jesus said, Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of, but play it safe and end up holding the bag. Is that good or what? Come on, look at that line. Take a picture of it. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag." Wow. So here's a question. What does it mean to risk your life for the kingdom, hmm? Well, what we know is we know what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you do nothing at all, no. All the servants of the nobleman are entrusted with the same amount. So the minor cannot... Hey, listen, listen. The minor cannot symbolize talents and gifts, because the other parable does that. This one doesn't do that. No, everybody gets the same amount, so it's not like you got an edge on me. No. In the parable of the talents, as it is with life, we're not all entrusted with the same gifts or abilities. I get that part. And by the way, you and I know people that are way more talented and gifted than you and I. Doesn't that make you mad? You got a problem? No. They're just people like that. And by the way, the baby born on the backside of a jungle mountain or in the dusty tent of a refugee camp will not be born with the same advantages you are entrusted with here in the West. You got a huge advantage going your way right now. Huge advantage. And by the way, Jesus says in Luke twelve thirty eight, to whom much is given, much will be... That's tough news for the West because we've been given too much. Hmm. Wow. But in this parable, everybody's guaranteed and granted the same entrustment, whatever the minor represents, and we haven't suggested anything. It is clear it symbolizes opportunity that is available to all, which not only means we all receive that opportunity, we are all commanded to multiply our opportunities and will be judged by, by the results of the opportunities we invested. Helmut Tillichy. The great German theologian and pastor, in his book, The Waiting Father, Sermons on the Parables of God, he writes, there are really only two ways to take a thing seriously. Either you renounce it or you risk everything for it. Either you fling away the mina or you use it to trade with. There is no third choice. Throw your Christianity on the trash heap. I don't believe this stuff. Or else let God be the Lord of your life, but don't wrap him up in your handkerchief and haul him around. My, oh, my. How's that line again? Jesus said, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of, but play it safe, Oh, and end up holding the bag, which leads me to ask. Now, here's where I need you to really kind of drill down now. What if this mina were simply the opportunities Jesus gives us to unselfishly love people on his behalf? The truth is, Jesus never defines what the mina is. We have no clue what he means. But if we take the story right before it, the story right before it is of him loving on Zacchaeus, the social pariah that nobody wanted to get near, get him out of town. Jesus loves on him. What if that's the minor? Every human being gets one minor to live a life with the opportunity to love on people the rest of the world has written off. That's true for straight people, by the way. That's also true for LGBTQ people, by the way. The people Jesus crosses your path with, and watches to see what you do next. What do we do? We turn away. What do we do? We pretend like she's not even in the room. Why? Because I don't agree with the life she lives, so I'm not going to love her. Somebody else can do that. Are you serious? She just walked across your path, and you're turning your back on her because you don't agree with the lifestyle she's chosen or given? No. This is an uncomfortable bottom line because everybody has the same opportunity to love on everybody that crosses your path, and if you're not loving them, if you're not loving them, you're not investing my mina, and you are a wicked servant. My. I'm not making this up. No wonder we don't want to remember this parable. Feral humans, that's who they are. I'm talking about the social misfits. They sit in the cafeteria, they're always sitting alone at that table. You see them every single lunch. When you go for lunch in this cafeteria, you see her sitting over there. You see him sitting there. And what do you do? You sit with all your friends. You hang with your friends. You're always hanging with your friends. You don't give a rip about somebody who's not your friend. And you walk by every single time, and you see her at that table all alone, when all you would have to do is pick up your tray and walk over and say, are you saving this? And the answer is no, and you sit down. No. We don't like this story. We want to hang with our own. If they have the same skin color, then I'll hang with them. We'll have tables filled with the same skin color. Why do you do that? Because I'm comfortable with my own, that's why. Social misfits, people that don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't eat like me, don't act like me, they're not my type. Oh, servant, my Lord, I gave you that mina to invest, and you're carrying it in your stinky thinking, and you're ruining it. My, 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 my. Let's turn the page and find another story to share. Drug addict. Alcoholic. There are a host of people you and I are not comfortable with. Could this minor be a God-given chance to break out of my selfish, self-centeredness and do something unnoticed, unrecognized to love somebody else for Christ? For Christ's sake, love somebody else. What if loving others were the mina that he gave every single one of us? The love on the people we meet, no matter how unlovable she or he may be. Hey, listen, come on. You don't have to be a hugger. I see these guys hugging and hugging. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be sappy about it. You can just show up and help. And by that helping, you're loving, just like Jesus. I know a guy in this community, by the way, a professional, who shows up. Drops in on the elderly of this community who are homebound and just loves on them without, without getting, as I say, sappy and drippy. He visits with them. He doesn't tell them he loves them, but they know he loves them. And he just keeps showing up. As Woody Allen once said, 90% of life is showing up. 100% of life of love is being there. Being there. Ah. Oh. Of course It's risky. I mean, what would people think if you show love and compassion to a person like that? I mean, please, don't you, have, don't you have Bible standards in your soul? Love is always a risk because your love may be rejected. It may be misunderstood, as Jesus was. The Pharisees were furious that he was with Zacchaeus. But he says, who cares what you think? Salvation has come. And that's why I befriend everybody, Jesus says, so that they can get saved in the end. Hmm. Oh, what does Jesus remind us? Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. Because that's the way love works. Like Tillichie said, you either renounce loving this way or you risk everything to love this way. But if you play it safe and love nobody, you have nobody to share the love with wherewith you have been loved. It is a lonely life you live when you do not love. It's time to to break out of that cocoon. It's time to break out of that shell. It's time to quit hiding behind your mask. I'm not telling you you have to take your mask off. Anything here. Loving people, you can have your mask on. But there's some people who are using the mask as their crutch for why I'm not getting involved and I'm just gonna stay in my little world all by myself and me. That's a crutch. It's not saving your life. You may end up losing your life. Now, go ahead and keep wearing your mask. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't. But don't let the mass stop you from being. Love on the move for human beings all around us. How can I do this, Dwight? Well, here are two actions you can take. Right here. Number one, pray for people you can love for Jesus. God, just send people to me, and I promise you, I will love them as best as I know how. Bruce Wilkinson, in that classic bestseller of his, The prayer of Jabez, he puts it. I like the way he puts it. Our God specializes in working through normal people who believe in a supernormal God who will do His work through them, through you and me. What God is waiting for is the invitation. Ask Him, and God will bring opportunities and people into your path you are not going to believe. Keep reading. You'll nearly always feel fear when you begin to take new territory for Him. Trust me. If you're going to step out now and start loving the people that you've just totally turned your back on all these months, you're going to be afraid. You're going to feel fear. Why? Because this is risky. I mean, people are going to misunderstand. I get rejected. I hate rejection. Of course you're going to be afraid. So, you nearly always feel fear when you begin to take new territory for God, but you'll also experience the tremendous thrill of God carrying you along as you're doing it. Doing what? Loving on the people He places in your path. Don't take the... I, I watch kids on this campus on sidewalks, and I can see them. They, they, they see somebody coming, and they shoot off on another, on another sidewalk. I said, Why? why did that change just take place? As somebody's walking, and, and, and suddenly when that person is within eye recognition, the, 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 the person turned sideways, just like this. Or they got little ear pods stuck in their ear, pretending like they're listening to music when there's nothing playing on that. They just, this is their way of stopping anybody from breaking into my life. That's not loving on people. That's ignoring people. That's ignoring the mina that you've been entrusted with. Take those ear pods out, for Pete's sake, and start Live in life with the people that God crosses your path with. Don't pretend you don't see them. He knows you see them, and He's expecting you to do something. Do something. So, number one, pray for people you can love for Jesus. And number two, volunteer for people you can love for Jesus. Sign up as a volunteer to love and serve others, be a volunteer, show up, sign up, grab a broom, grab a shovel, grab a bedpan, but quietly love people who need you in this moment. Just love them. Just love them. You don't have to make an announcement. You are now being loved. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? They'll feel it. They'll feel the love. You will never have to say a word about it, because if we only love our friends and hang with our friends, we are leaving Jesus Mina uninvested. It's not enough to love your friends. Mm-mm. I got an email from a faculty leader on this campus. If I told you the faculty member's name, you'd get it immediately this week. Because in this little series that we're doing, that ends next week, and I hope you don't miss next week, because next week is about Mr. Bingles' old coat. You don't want to miss that story, and I'll read to you. But. This faculty member has been listening carefully and was came under conviction, I need, to be, I need to volunteer for something. Teaching class is not volunteering. It's just doing what I'm paid to do. I want to get involved. And so when I put the, little number, the word up, it was sign up one, two, three, four, and today's will be a sign, up, sign up 5. Uh, anyway, the faculty member just texted it in. Yeah, just sign me up. And got a letter from the Volunteer Engagement Committee. From a member on the committee that said, yo, we, we would love it if you could do this. And the faculty member got that, e- that, that email and said, ah, I'm not sure. And then last Sabbath, as we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we noted the, stu- the, the profound truth that belief, belief in a risen Savior always results in radical service for that risen Savior. And that faculty member said that was it. I hit. I wrote an email. (laughs) I wrote an email after church. I said, "Sign me up. I'll take that. I'll take that opportunity." Isn't that beautiful? Hey, sign up as a volunteer, and guess what? You will have more people to love than you have ever had before. If it's a soup kitchen, the soup kitchen. You want to go Rotary? Be my guest. Go Rotary. The American Red Cross. Sign up. Get yourself out of yourself and into the lives of other people, and you will have. Plenty of people to love every day. God will be answering your prayer because you are helping him answer your prayer. Ah. So here's how it works. Just today just text the word sign up five to two six nine two eight one two three four five. Just Text in the words, sign up five, and you'll get a next step that looks like this. This is all this will be all you'll get. Dear Volunteer Engagement Committee, suggesting that this is a letter you're writing to them. Dear Volunteer Engagement Committee, here's my name. Sign me up. I want to love and serve people for Jesus. Hit send. You got it. There'll be, a, there'll be an email to you saying, would you, would you enjoy doing this? Or we might have a couple. How about this one? I'm a college student. Sign up. I'm gonna leave this campus in two weeks. Sign up now. Because you're coming back. Sign up now. I'm an academy student. Sign up now. I'm a child. Sign up. We got children volunteering. Doesn't matter who you are what you do. Sign up. Wow. What's, this, what, what, what's all this have to do with Jesus? Everything. Because Jesus once said, once upon a time, Freely you have received, freely give. And at Calvary, I'm absolutely convinced that you and I have been loved as immensely and as totally as we have ever been loved in our lives. It got poured out at Calvary on you and little old me, which means we could change Jesus' line, freely you have received, freely give. We could change Jesus' line to freely you have been loved, So freely love. That's it. That's why Simon, just a moment ago, read from John 13, Love one another, Jesus says on the eve of Calvary, as I have loved you. Love. It's your opportunity. Sign me up, Jesus. And he will. In fact, you're already signed up if you bear his name. Let's invest the mina now. You and me. What do you say? Yeah, let's pray. Oh, God. We all have one mina. Help us to invest your mina and take advantage of every opportunity to love one of your children. For Jesus' sake, amen.